Hello and welcome to Laidback Lush. I'm Michael. I'm Gabe. And today we wanted to go over a couple of our personal summer wine picks. Yeah. So we weren't going to go with a super long episode this time. If you haven't followed us already, please do so at Laidback Lush on Instagram and Twitter. So our personal summer wine picks. Now we know that the industry is kind of inundated with a lot of different takes on summer wines. Yeah. We didn't want to just run down the same list of wines that everybody else had because there's a lot of really great content out there about yeah. these wines. And there's also, there's great content, but there's also some where it's the same. It's the same ones. Same ones being repeated over and over again every single year. It's ad campaigns. Yeah. Which, you know, people you need to market. advertise. Yeah, you got to market. But we wanted to give you guys something, something a little more, uh, what we like, why we like it. You know, sometimes homogenous opinions can be boring. Exactly. Which is why this is going to be a very palpably opinionated piece. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But we will be going into our reasons for why these are our picks. And then we have a little bit of a surprise for Gabe today. Yeah. Uh, it's not a surprise in that he doesn't know what it is. It's a surprise in that he wasn't expecting to like it. Mm -hmm. Should we leave what it is for the reveal? Because the big reveal, we have long time this. listeners will, will know what we're talking about. But new listeners will be completely in the dark, and those who did not pay attention. Ugh. Or who forgot because they had lives outside of listening to <laughs> us talking about wine. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so, Gabe, yes. what are some of your picks for your top summer wines? All right, so my picks. Well, first, I guess I'll, I'll say, what do I look for in summer wine? Because that's probably a good place to start. So... I'm not the type of person that only drinks like white or rosé during the summer. I drink all kinds of wine in the summer. Part of it is my job. Part of it is, you know, just what I like. So for white wines, I tend to go for much more fruit-forward, young white wines. And I do really like high acidity in my yeah. white wines for summer. Acidity is very refreshing in a wine. And Great especially in Virginia heat. Yes. Especially <laughs> Muggy, in nasty, gross Virginia heat. In yeah. this Virginia heat in uh -huh. particular, it's been hot, off hot, awful. So consistently hitting high 90s. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with you there. Nice, crisp acidity inside of your white wines with mm -hmm. that nice, young, fresh fruit. Yeah. So for my rosés, I tend to go more in like the Tavel style, which a lot of wineries around here actually I've noticed are kind of moving towards, it seems like. I like that very dense, concentrated fruit in a rosé. I do like it to be a little bit fuller bodied just because I like the lushness of it. I know you're kind of the opposite in this regard with rosé in the summer. You like that intense crisp. minerality crisp yeah super crisp i want it crunchy yeah i do still want decent acid on my rosé in the summer mm -hmm. again just to keep it refreshing but uh i just i i like fruits in the summer like that's just a, a food in general that i like in the summer so i i enjoy fruity wine yeah during well and summer. there's nothing better than a nice chilled fruit on a hot summer day yeah so that's kind of what i like i like that you know denser thicker style of rosé and for my reds i like Tannic reds. I just like tannic yeah. reds. Even in the summer, some people will try and steer you away from that. They are actually really great for grilling and barbecues during the summer. Absolutely, you get uh, a good Syrah going. Exactly. Yeah, you have to you have to know what you're going for for sure. Uh, not every big red wine is going to work in the summer for that, but there are definitely ones out there. Like you said, Syrah is normally a very good grape for that. My reds though tend to be more early drinking styles. I like a little bit of oak, but not a lot or no oak at all 
So again, very typically young red wines, like medium to high tannins. You know, I don't necessarily want to be drinking the most dense, intense tannins in general and 90 degree heat, but I don't necessarily mind a higher level of tannin either. Mm -hmm. You know, some people will go like Pinot Noir only (laughs) in the summer or Gamay or these really light grapes, but I, I like a good, you know, Syrah or something like that in summer. So particular wines that I like, I already mentioned Tavel Rosé. French rosé from other regions tends to be more what you enjoy, minerality and lighter, crisper. But Tavel tends to be very uh, fruit-forward, fruit-driven, bolder style of rosé. I don't really have any producers listed here in my notes. I would recommend maybe not buying like bottom shelf Tavel because uh, with climate change, Tavel has kind of had a problem with their wines becoming a little jagged because their grapes are getting a little bit too ripe now. Mm. It's in the Cote de Rome. So you're looking at like Grenache, Mouvedre, Syrah, red blends for rosés. Those grapes can already be kind of punchy as it is. So if they're getting overripe, it can it can be an issue with Tavel. It's just something that uh, you know I heard about. It's been kind of an issue recently, but I still like the style a lot. And kind of going across the ocean to I mentioned Virginia, I've noticed has been making a lot of rosés kind of more in that style. The Raynard Florence rosé, I believe it is the Tilray, named after the wonderful and adorable dog that lives at that winery a very friendly dog that lives at that winery and a lovely rosé yeah very good rosé it's it checks all the boxes of what i like on a rosé yeah that was made out of a cab franc if i'm not mistaken yes i believe so i remember it distinctly actually because you picked it up immediately (laughs) you were like yeah is this cab franc and the and the attendant was just like yeah it is actually and then he's like i knew it (laughs) yeah i think uh I I could be wrong, but I want to say this most recent vintage that they put out from 2020, I want to say they put some Grenache in it in this past year. I I could be wrong. I could be wrong on that, but I want to say there's Grenache in there. What's making you say that? Because there was Grenache in one of the red wines that I drank. Uh, Rosé is technically not red wine, but I I just don't remember which one it was in. But I want to say it was in the Rosé. So if if you were sitting there and you're drinking a rosé, what would you notice inside of the wine that makes you kind of go, hey, is there Grenache? A red berry character. Grenache, to me, always reads a little bit more high-toned. There's also, we were talking about this earlier, you can yeah. kind of start to get sometimes a watermelony character, uh, at least in my opinion. It, it's not... In every Grenache rosé I've ever had by any means. Uh, I'm sure it's a mainly a terroir thing, but I think it can express that way. That and, again, red berries. So having those denser rosé flavors, though, that's definitely what you are more in tune with as far yeah. as your summer rosé. Mm-hmm. Also, the early mountain rosé, mm. the 2020, we tried it at the winery. That was when we did our flight. delicious. Yeah, and that, that, again, is a fuller style, more robust style of rosé that I really enjoyed when we went. So uh, kind of moving on from Virginia, though, uh, another white that I really enjoy in the summer is particularly Chilean Sauvignon Blanc. Yes. Everybody says to drink Sauvignon Blanc in the summer. Some people will give regions. Um, and I listen, 
I like Sauvignon Blanc from pretty much everywhere, so I, I won't poo-poo away that opinion. But for me personally, Chilean Sauvignon Blanc just holds such a special place in my heart because it's such a good cross for me in between the very high-acid, intensely herbaceous style of New Zealand yeah. and those more kind of uh, fruity mineral driven wines that you'll find particularly out of the Loire Valley in France. Chile just kind of seems to take the best of both of them. The one that I have listed here is the Leda Sauvignon Blanc Reserva. Leda is a region. It is also a winery. I am talking about the winery Leda or the producer Leda. This Sauvignon Blanc, I tried it through work. It absolutely blew my mind. This is, I think, the best Sauvignon Blanc I have ever had in my life. I will warn you, though, it is a Sauvignon Blanc that I like. Again, this is yeah. a very opinion-driven episode. It tasted like asparagus. Like, it had that full herbal character. Mm. I loved it. It was very rich. It it definitely had fruit, too. I remember there was a lot of stone fruit in that wine, but the herbaceous notes were just very prominent. And the acidity was, it was high, but it wasn't too, too high. Some Chilean Sauvignon Blanc, the acidity actually gets a little out of control, even by my standards. It's a little too intense, but this one, perfect, perfect blend. Mm. Going over to Italy, I really enjoy Vermentino. As we said in the episode where we went to Early Mountain, we were able to try Virginia producers Vermentino. But it is originally from Italy, particularly mm. Northwest Italy. Very different coming out of Italy than mm -hmm. being expressed from Virginia. Yeah, so you're gonna you're gonna have a lighter body. The, it does tend to retain a decent amount of acid, citrus, floral, and nutty notes kind of tend to be the hallmarks of the grape from Northern Italy, and it tends to be pretty intensely aromatic as well. I don't really have a producer because uh, I I haven't tried too too many that have been like oh this producer, but the grape itself. If you're getting it from a DOC, it will normally be pretty quality. There is a DOCG for this grape, which is Vermentino di Galura. And that will be, again, kind of the tippy top of your hierarchy of appellations in Italy. So that's kind of the creme de la creme of Vermentino that's going to be coming out of mm. Italy. So look for that on a label if you're really into trying to get something high quality. The reason I like this one for summer is you can probably tell in my white wines i like a lot of character in my white wines even in summer i don't necessarily want something that's just a cool refreshing yeah. thing i want to be able to explore it a little bit it's not just like your state line mm -hmm. pinot grigio where it's inoffensive high acidity refreshing but ultimately a vehicle for other things yeah so it, i just i enjoy a little bit of complexity and vermentino definitely provides that and it you know it's kind of unusual for a lot of grace because of that nuttiness that tends to creep in, by white wine standards at least. Moving into a red wine, Hoven and Crianza Tempranillos from Spain. Tempranillos are perfect for summer. Mm -hmm. Be warned, Tempranillo does tend to retain a, a decent amount of tannin, but I already yeah. said I, I like that in the summer, so I'm not adverse to that. It's heavy tannin, but the, the body on it mm -hmm. is subdued it's, yeah it's and lower. it's it's ripe tannin it's hot enough that they, these grapes are reaching full physiological ripeness so you're not getting these grippy underripe green tannins in your wine and if you let it open up for a second it it's gonna mellow it out mm -hmm. and the reason i'm specifying a hoven and a crianza here is in spain there's a ranking system that goes up hoven crianza reserva grand reserva it's basically a, each step up you're hitting higher aging requirements 
Hoven can be released basically immediately. It can be unaged. Most producers will put maybe about like eight months to a year's worth of aging on it, but nothing crazy. So you're not going to be getting really, really intense oak or anything like that on these wines. Crianza, it's a minimum 24 months of aging, but only six months of those must be in barrel. That's for Spain overall. Rioja, I believe it has to be longer in oak, if I remember correctly. Rioja tends to have a little bit more stringent aging laws for their system. But if a group is not going to be aging it in the barrel and they just have it in the bottle, then that's going to allow it to soften those tannins. Mm -hmm. And it's going to develop some interesting tertiary notes as well. A little bit of earthiness, nothing too crazy, though. Without necessarily having a ton of oak expression. So you're still getting that really. And what I love about Tempranillo is just it's such a fruit forward grape. It's very fruity, very densely fruity. And again, that that's what I like. Even with the oak flavors that are going to be coming out of that though since it is mostly french oak if i'm not mistaken a lot of producers are switching uh spain for a long time used predominantly american oak actually but that has been changing over the past like 10 years or so so a lot of it's been french oak yeah if it's split instead of being cut it just doesn't have the same effect you Mm -hmm. end up getting much more subtle notes coming out of it so that yeah you're, you're probably going to be getting more french oak now on these wines so moving back to white, I should have <laughs> laid this list out better. Uh, Pinot Gris. So Pinot Gris, if you are familiar with Pinot Grigio, it is, yes, the same grape, but Pinot Gris is from Alsace. And in the New World, Pinot Gris is used to denote the style of being from Alsace. I am specifically talking about Alsatian Pinot Gris here because I still kind of tend to find them to be the most refined, in my mm-hmm. opinion, from the style. The main difference between Pinot Gris and Pinot Grigio is Pinot Grigio tends to be, I think we talked about this uh, in an episode, I don't remember which one, but you know, it tends to be mass market, high yielding, meant to be super, super easy drinking, high acid refreshing, fairly simple table wine. Pinot Gris is, because of the climate differences between Alsace and whatnot, it does tend to be much more refined it is much more complex it gets a lot more flavors in it particularly stone fruits you can get tropical fruits if it's a later harvest i would kind of stay away from late harvest in summer just because those for me are are much more like winter autumn kind of wines because they're just so dense and heavy well and they're gonna end up developing flavors that are more attributed to your fall fruits anyway Mm -hmm. yeah so the the younger you know or i should say associate excuse me yeah so like you know just the regular pinot gris from alsace i would definitely recommend i would recommend viognier but particularly virginia viognier i would not necessarily actually go to condro which is a appellation in the cote de rhone which is a a viognier appellation yeah the reason i would go with virginia over that in the summer in the spring and in the fall i think condro is great for one thing, Condro tends to be fairly expensive. For another thing, we tend to acidify our Viognier here in Virginia. Condro does not. Hmm. Viognier is naturally a pretty low acid grape. So Condro can be kind of almost oily in texture. Oh my. Yeah. I really love Condro, but if you are an acid white lover, it might not be the wine for you. It does tend to be very dense and complex, which I like. And if you're like. going for summer wine. But for summer wine, I, I like those flavors of the grapes. So stone fruit, very, very floral. You can get some honey sometimes, a lot of citrus, a lot of orchard fruits in Viognier. 
and in Virginia, all of those come through and you typically will find a higher acid profile on them. Chestnut Oak is a winery that makes an amazing Viognier. If you can find them, they are mm, three or four miles, I think, down the road from Barbersville, actually. So if you know where Barbersville is, Chestnut Oak is basically right around the corner from them. Moving on back to Italy and back to red wines, uh, Montepulciano d'Abruzzo is probably, I think, my favorite red wine for summer from Italy. Montepulciano is kind of a lesser known red wine from Italy, I think. I, I never really hear people talk about it, but it's a very interesting grape. It kind of reminds me a little bit of Syrah. It tends to be red-fruited, and you can start getting some meaty, smoky aromas on mm. it. So this is, for me, like a really good barbecue wine um, for kind of lighter barbecue or maybe, you know, grilling some red meat. That's kind of what I would drink it with. But I really like Montepulciano. It's very underrated, in my opinion. It does tend to be, the, I think part of the reason why it's not as prevalent as others like Chianti or whatnot is it does tend to be more high volume production in the region. Um, and it is typically a little bit cheaper. Actually, a very good cheap brand that you can find is Cantina. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce that. We I, didn't do our, our early episode yeah, I think apologetics it's, about yeah. not being able to pronounce things exactly. we are very white and we don't know how to yeah. pronounce these things i think it's zacagini it's a z-a-c-c-a-g-n-i-n-i -I. your guess Zaccagini. is as good as mine zacagini sorry um so cantina zacagini trocchetto yeah that's the one that has the little twig on it if i'm not mistaken it is they that also, one always would sell out it's it's good and it's only like 12 dollars and it has a twig on it yeah they also they do a, I want to say uh, Pinot Grigio as well. Yeah. I mean, it's not like mind-blowing, but it's a solid Pinot Grigio, especially for what Pinot Grigio tends to be out of Italy. So I like that brand, and I really like that Multiple Giano de Bruzzo that they put mm. out. If you want more of a dessert style of wine, I would go with Rainwater Madeira. If you remember our sweet wine episode, we mentioned Rainwater. These do tend to be drier than the fully sweet, sweet styles of Madeira. These tend to be in the medium dry category, but they are lighter than most of the, you know, single grape, like Wall and Malmsey, those Madeiras. So these are going to be more easy drinking for your summer months, not quite as intense during the heat. Don't buy an expensive rainwater. I will say that um, you will have to shell out for like a higher quality one. A lot of the ones that are being pumped out now are just kind of um, the lower quality ones are just kind of middling sweet cheap fortified wine yeah so definitely don't be afraid to maybe shell off a little bit more if you want to shell out a little bit more uh, and i would definitely in whatever shop you're in i would ask the store staff just to make sure that you are getting a quality rainwater should you do it but i do think it's a great summer wine and my last one is going back to red wines and it is chilean carmenere my second wine Very from nice. chile i just love this grape it is pretty intense it's pretty bold it tends to have kind of like Cabernet Sauvignon. It can show some peppery, particularly bell pepper aromas, a little bit of herbaceousness. I like that personally. Some people can't stand it. I like it. And this is a wine that I've never really had one that I've disliked. I have had, you know, a couple where I haven't been super impressed with them. But for the price point that you're going to be spending for most Chilean wines in general, particularly Carmenere, though, 
I don't really think you can go wrong if you want something, particularly, again, for like grilling or barbecue. I think they're great wines for get-togethers. And, it, you know, if you're having a get-together, it's probably a, a grape that not a lot of people are super familiar with, Yeah, with where you're at. So, Michael, what about you? What do you like to drink in the summer? So, actually, you mentioned a good deal of them, so I'm not going to repeat a lot of the ones that you mentioned. A lot of the ones that I find myself being drawn to as far as white wines are concerned are definitely going to be the ones with higher acid. Mm -hmm. I do like a good fruit character, but I'm not opposed to having something that's going to be a bit more on the herbaceous side. As far as a Sauvignon Blanc is concerned on that level, I actually really like Loire Valley Sauvignon Blancs. They tend to be a bit more on the floral side. Yep. You do get a little bit more of an herbal profile. It's going to be a lot less of that kind of punchy, zesty type of aroma and flavor that you get from your New Zealand. Now, mm-hmm. I do love New Zealand Sauvignon Blancs. Yeah. I really do enjoy them as well. If I am looking for that, I'll go for that. And more often than not, I am, especially if I'm entertaining. Yeah. But sometimes it's a little loud mm-hmm. if it's really hot outside. Yeah. And again, I'm I'm wanting to account for the fact that we get awful weather here. It's just the, <laughs> the worst in the summer. Yeah. I am not a summer child. Yeah. Neither am I. We're both far too pale for that. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) So I like things that are going to be crisp, lots of minerality. That is down the board between both my rosés and the white wines. One that I particularly enjoy is the varietal Vernaccia. This is out of Italy. Uh, It's grown primarily in Tuscany. Typically is going to be on the drier side. Very refreshing. Did you say this is white or red? Uh, this is white. White, okay. Yeah, this is a, a a white Italian. Very citrusy. You have some kind of like subtropical fruits going on, but you also get some good spices in there, so there is some complexity. Really good with different types of cheese, which I'm becoming more adept in now, so I'm <laughs> I'm enjoying that as I've been I've been taken down the line of different cheeses that It's uh, a rabbit hole. It's a rabbit hole for sure. I actually got a chance to go and see our guy. Oh, really? Yeah, again. <laughs> well, because, you know, I'll, I'll be there doing some other work. And yeah. you know, I came across him and I was just like, hey, how's it going? And he had me try some stuff. And I went ahead and oh, grabbed awesome. another thing of blue cheese because I'm obsessed. <laughs> I'm going to break you from that blue cheese habit. I love blue cheese so Yes, much. but blue cheese is not the only cheese in the world, Michael. There's so much more to explore. Well, I do Get like... some washed rinds. They're funky. Some what? Washed rinds. Washed rinds are typically cheeses that are going to be like washed in in a saline solution. Interesting. Uh, they tend to be uh, influenced pretty heavily by bacteria, so they can be pretty funky. Some of them are very rich and creamy. Uh, Port Salute is one that is very rich and creamy, but still a little bit funky. No, I, I love washed rinds. Kind of cheeses. like a salinic, salty mm-hmm, profile. Yeah. So I could definitely have that like with some tomatoes yeah. would it re- mm-hmm. respond well to some decent acidity i think so yeah because mm. literally like any sort of cheese with a tomato see i don't really like tomatoes but you know. i love tomatoes <laughs> i love tomatoes so much so one vernaccia grape wine that i really love from tuscany is going to be Garavecci. that's available pretty regularly i really enjoy it i think other people will too i also in the category of rosés Gabe mentioned it. I like high minerality rosés, so I love stuff that comes from Sancerre. If you didn't know, most of that area used to be an ocean bed, so it kind of got popped up out of the ocean. So a lot of it is covered and integrated with seashells. Yeah. So you get those notes just coming straight up into those roots, 
gets into the wine itself, creates this wonderful kind of interplay between acidity and fruit notes and minerality that I find finishes perfectly for a hot day. I think we maybe we should give a little bit of a caveat in that Sancerre, depending on the producer, obviously, and the site that it was grown in, can be a little austere sometimes. So just be aware of that. Yeah. I, I love that aspect yeah. of it personally. I, I love austere white wines, oh, but yeah. uh, if you're not accustomed to that, just uh, know who you're buying from. Yeah. One that I really enjoy is the Christian Salmon Sancerre. That's a rosé. Comes out of the area. Really lovely. You get these beautiful strawberry notes coming out of it. Lots of cherry. A little bit of kind of like a, a vanilla. Mm -hmm. um, but it's not it's not super forward because of that minerality. It kind of keeps the vanilla in check. Yeah. So that it's just kind of like a touch of cream with the strawberries. You don't have mm -hmm. to. Mm -hmm. It's not it's not sitting there shoving it in your face. And again, that is from the Loire Valley. That one is using the Pinot Noir grape. Some others that I enjoy, of course, with reds, I really love Pinot Noir. And I know that that is the stereotypical one for summer, but that is kind of my go-to. Mm -hmm. uh, and there are others that I like. I mean, like. there's a reason it's popular. Yeah. There's a reason that it's popular. Pinot Noir is lighter in the body. It is going to generally be much more on the kind of cherry side of things. You're going to get some tartness out of it. And there are so many styles of Pinot Noir, so many different expressions of terroir that can be there. The ones that I particularly like are going to be out of the Willamette Valley and, of course, out of Burgundy. Uh, there are some others that I don't mind as much, but a lot of the ones that come out of California that I know of, they get a lot more jammy mm -hmm. than I particularly like. Yeah, it's a lot hotter in California. Yeah, I and mean, even a lot that are labeled as Oregon wines. They're produced in Oregon, but they're actually grown in California, and so there's a lot of kind of i don't want to say there's a movement to start changing that yeah legally, they're trying to turn but... oregon into basically a, an appellation in and of itself or at least yeah. the willamette valley mm -hmm. um which is something that i can definitely get behind because, technically it'd be an ava in america yeah oh yes and uh an american viticultural area yeah area, area? yeah it's area yeah yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. so if you, if you see that on a label that's what that means it means it's legally a demarcated area of officially this is the, uh, the wine from the, this region in the United States. And only this region or up to a certain percentage of that region, mm -hmm, yeah. typically, which I'm completely behind that. I don't think that you should be misleading people yeah. on what wines are there. If you are doing that, then, you know, I guess these are hard times, but <laughs> no excuses. Yeah. But yeah, so I like Pinot Noirs in summer that are going to typically have that more crisp acidity, high acidity. I also really like it to be more on the strawberry cherry side of things. I don't really like it getting too ripe. Mm -hmm. I like it to be a bit more on that refined level. And I do like it to have some mushroom characteristics. But in the summer, sometimes those tertiary flavors yeah. can get a little overpowered, mm -hmm. which is why a lot of people will end up drinking Pinot Noir more in the fall yeah. if they are going for a more expensive Pinot Noir. Going back to some whites, I also love Gewürztraminer. Now, a lot of people love Gewürztraminer from Germany. My preference is actually those that are coming out of France. Uh, specifically, I love the Albrecht Gewürztraminer. That has to be one of my favorites that I've ever had. Alsace. Uh, yeah, if you're not familiar. Alsace. Absolutely phenomenal. Very refined. The aromatics are concentrated, but somehow aren't 
punchy, if I can put it that way. Yeah, that that's the main complaint people have about Gavush Demeanors. It can be a little overpowering for some people, but they yeah, they do a good job of keeping it in Very check. well in balance. Yeah. I love that and uh, Rieslings. Now, I prefer drier Rieslings myself. <laughs> I think we both do. Yeah, we both do. I say as I'm sipping a, a Moscato di Asti, but there's a reason. <laughs> there's a reason. Yeah. Um, anywho, now that I've dropped that hint. <laughs> yeah, I love a good dry Riesling. Uh, I know there's both Dr. Lucen and uh, Dr. Oh gosh, Dr. Heidemann. Heidemann. Mm-hmm. Those are pretty good ones. I'm not aware of a lot of the more niche ones that would be more regularly available. But Dr. Lucen, I think, does a very good job at representing the style itself. Yeah. As far as sparkling wines go, because I am Captain Bubbles, after all, I love, love, love champagne in the summer. I love champagne in the summer so much. Personally, I like to go for sparkling wines that are done in the Champenois style out of Burgundy more than I do out of Champagne during the summer. Ones that are coming out of Champagne are going to typically have more of those baked fruit funky and bready characteristics whereas your ones coming out of burgundy are going to typically have a little bit more acidity to them and again i love that acidity in the summer i think it's terribly refreshing yeah so i want something that's going to be crisper something that can go with some seafood if i can have it with like white fish or oysters that's where i'm at Mm -hmm. and i know i know you're not a fan of oysters i'm not yeah no i am a big fan of oysters i'm a fake wino every every wino loves oysters oh my gosh (laughs) no they are risky though so i can understand that that's uh, that's my psa i forgot to mention any sparkling i my default in the summer is kava normally oh yeah oh my gosh kava is delicious yeah yeah kava is really good and it's really well valued like it's mm-hmm. cheap yeah you don't have to break so the bank good. for it yeah yeah kava is another one of those sparklings or really just in general wines that comes out of spain that is just ridiculously underpriced for yeah. what you're getting and there are a lot of brands typically if you see it there it's going to be good i think the last one that we tried on the podcast was the segura Vietas. Vietas. Mm-hmm. that was delicious yeah but really, you can almost be assured that as long as you get one around the $15 mark off the shelf, you're going to get something high quality. So those are my kind of top picks. I know mine is a little bit more on the abbreviated side. Those are typically what I'll go for, especially if I'm putting together a little thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I want something that everybody's going to enjoy. That's just what I'm going to do. Yeah. Of course, there are other wines that we haven't mentioned. There are other things that I'm sure we both enjoy. Like I said, you mentioned a lot of the ones that I have really loved, and I think you've actually brought over a couple over the years that I've really enjoyed from that list. Mm-hmm. But those are kind of just our top picks. Like I said, this is a highly opinionated episode, so if you yeah. like anything else, like Moscato Diasti, then, you know, those are those are your preferences. But not regular Moscato. Not regular. We We don't respect regular Moscato drinkers. I mean, I'll respect you. <laughs> I just won't take any cues from you in wine. <laughs> we kid, we kid. Enjoy, we kid. enjoy whatever you want. Took just, that moment so seriously. Just, just don't give us the Moscato, please. You know, I just, I sold so much Moscato to so many people, and yeah, there, there's a reason why people in the wine industry do tend to look down on that. But at the same time, if it's what you enjoy, it's what you enjoy. Which is one of the reasons why I wanted to bring today's wine, which Gabe is now sipping on. What is this? So today's wine is a Moscato di Asti by Rinaldi, nicknamed Bug Juice. It's kind of got a a lighter yellow color, fairly pale, 
It does have a sweeter profile. This, however, is a DOCG. It is one of the few Appalachian Moscato Diastes that I know of, mm-hmm. and one of the few Moscato Diastes that I enjoy. So I thought that I would go ahead and bring this to Gabe to see what he thought of it. So tell me, what are your thoughts? So um, this is a really good example of pear drop. People will call pear drop for Moscato normally. Pear drop is a British candy, if you're not familiar with what it is. It tends to not be considered to be a great note to have in a wine for the reason that it tends to be very confected, I guess. Uh, it, it is a candy. I tried it when I was taking my uh, WSCT course, actually. I think it was level two that I tried it in. And this definitely has pear drop. Uh, it's not bad, though. I, I, I don't mind it in here. There's also a fair amount of peaches, decent citrus profile on here, lemon and lime, I mm-hmm. would say. Both of them are definitely present. There's a good, like you said, there's definitely good, some good florals on here. Honeysuckle, orange blossoms, definitely definitely uh, some general blossom smells as well. Just kind of like a, a nice fragrant feel to flowers. I wouldn't say this wine is like terribly complex. I think that kind of wraps up the tasting notes that i am picking up on yeah um honey i uh, actually uh, honey there's some honey in here as well kind of like a wildflower honey yeah very light it, it is it's sweet this is i would say medium sweet wine so you know if you're a sweet drinker this will definitely hit the spot for you but it's very much in balance part of the reason why i think sweet wine for me personally doesn't work a lot of the time is it's far too much sweetness for the concentration of fruit but the mm-hmm. concentration of fruit here is very well done. This is a very solidly made sweet wine, I can tell. And it's balanced. A lot of Moscow Dossi, as we kind of said in the Sparkling Wine episode, is this high volume, just get it in, shove it out kind of stuff. But this this tastes like some care went into it. Yeah. And I, I would expect nothing else from Rinaldi Vineyards. They make a lot of other dry styles that are phenomenal. But this is one of those examples because... I remember us talking about Moscato and just the fact that you hadn't really tried one that you really liked. Yeah. Having a version of a style that typically does not demand respect, actually giving respect to the craft itself is something that I love encountering. Yeah. You know, when you think about a Moscato, you're not thinking about a DOCG at all. You're not thinking about complex flavors. You're thinking about a rager. Mm-hmm. or or some sort of large event where you know everybody there doesn't actually like to drink. Yeah. Uh, which is typically what people will say about Moscato di Asti drinkers is that they don't actually like to drink. They just, you know... Like to get drunk. Or, or feel required to yeah. at an event. But this is one of those rare occasions where you actually have a lot of care being put into something that typically doesn't see that type of respect. Yeah, and I think uh, another reason this works is sweet wine tends to be kind of flabby. Because sugar can mask acidity in a wine. But the acidity is so well in check. Yeah, this stays refreshing. This is definitely a solid choice. And I would say a solid summer wine. Yeah, absolutely a solid summer wine. Yeah. So thank you guys so much for joining us. This kind of breaks away from our typical formula. But we should be back in our next episode with... uh, Something. Something. I'm kind of thinking about Mezcal. 
Because Mezcal we, would we, be we, amazing. We've talked a couple of times about doing a Mezcal episode. I'm on board. Um, you sold me as soon <laughs> as you said Mez because I knew that Cal was coming after it. Yeah. So, well, I guess now we know what we're doing next episode. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, shout out to the Jasper Bar for introducing me to Mezcal because yes. I had not tried it. I had done some reading on it, had never tried it, and uh, they very kindly allowed me to, to try it. So That was we'll my probably... first time trying Mezcal, too. Oh, my we gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll probably we'll probably mention them in the next episode that experience as well as uh doing a little bit of a tasting which now I am very excited for. Yes. As always, please follow us on Instagram and Twitter and share this with your friends and family. Shout it from the rooftops, put it in random people's mailboxes, spam each other's accounts. <laughs> we do appreciate our viewers. We thank you guys so much for listening to us and we hope that you have a wonderful day. Cheers. Cheers.